Hey everyone, it's Sonia Zant, the producer of the Major Crush Podcast. I thought I'd take a minute at the top of this episode to thank our listeners for subscribing to our show and to acknowledge the incredible lineup of interviewees we've met with so far this season. As you already know, we record every episode of Major Crush on location, which means we never know exactly where we'll be doing our interviews. But this season, we've had a few extra recording challenges due to COVID-19. Out of respect and concern for everyone we've interviewed, we've set up our recording sessions using the safest practices, which means we've done our best to social distance and to adhere to every rule mandated when gathering with other people. As such, you've probably noticed a few bobbles in our sound quality, including some scratchy sounding moments thanks to the lower and safer placement of our lavalier mics on our guests, and a few times where we've had to change locations midway through our interview. But tricky setups and less than perfect sound quality hasn't stopped us from having one of our most storied seasons of them all. Everyone we've wanted to talk to for season three has not only made time for us, but they've also been incredibly supportive and kind, and we simply can't thank them enough for sharing their thoughts and their stories with us, especially in the midst of a pandemic. We say it over and over again because it's true. Wine connects people. And during the shared experience of a global pandemic, all of us at Major Crush are so grateful that there's always a reason and a way for us to connect to you with our mutual passion for all things wines. Now, without further delay, we're proud to present our interview with Chef John Ash, the father of wine country cuisine. Major Crush, Episode 6, The John Ash Interview. So, Meredith. I'm, this is your man, isn't it? I'm so excited for this interview today. I've been like a little kid in a candy Me store. Too. I We are so honored today to be able to sit down and talk with John Ash, who's considered the father of wine country cuisine. But I had the pleasure several years ago of taking one of his classes at the Culinary Institute of America, and it was called The Marriage of Food and Wine with John Ash. And it, for me, it was that aha moment epiphany of oh my gosh these things go together if done right and even when they don't you learn something so we are so excited to be sitting here with john and I, they've heard me talk about all the little nuances i'm, I'm kind of sick of hearing <laughs> you talk about them yes with you. well now we when you're called the father of wine country cuisine man yeah. you, you need to be talked about yeah. So we have a lot to dive in today, but John, thank you for your time and being You're here today. You're welcome. You're and, welcome. And I think it's always the best place to start is the beginning. Where, how yeah, do the you, once upon a time. Yeah, because you've been <laughs> doing this for a while. I mean, your restaurant, I, 1980, opened up? Yeah, right? yeah well, the, the namesake restaurant. I was yeah, okay. obviously working in restaurants right. before then. But yeah, it was... Uh, well, I'll tell you a little story about how I got to Sonoma County, okay. like, oh, which good. is sort of interesting. And it also talks about that time back in the late 70s and 80s. Mm -hmm. um, Santa Rosa, where we are right now, uh, it, was, it, it was fascinating. You could almost count on two hands the number of wineries that people knew. It's hard to believe yeah. now yeah. when you think of the yeah. hundreds, <laughs> if not so thousands, yeah. thousands of wineries that are out there. And I remember I had a winemaker friend here. I lived in the city in, in oh, okay. San Francisco. Okay. 
And I used to come up here all the time because I really love Sonoma County and also because I was cooking there. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the reasons that I love coming to Sonoma County is because it was so rich agriculturally. Yes. It was, you know, there was everything, dairy, mm -hmm. chickens, you know, mm -hmm. animals, uh, produce and all of that. It really was. Oh, it was. And it, I mean, it still, still is. is. But I, mean, I, mean, I hear the stories that yeah. Petaluma was the largest chicken. Yeah, chicken and egg. egg they they, st the they still do the, uh, well, I guess maybe it'll go away, but the chicken and egg parade. Yeah. Each <laughs> <laughs> you know, which is pretty great. So anyway, I had a winemaker friend who said, you know, I'm going to take you to what was considered by many people the best restaurant in Santa Rosa. Uh, and he didn't say anything more. So we did, we came uh, up and it was middle of summertime. So we were right in the middle of, you know, all of the bounty of this mm -hmm. amazing county. Oh. And we went to this restaurant and they were serving canned vegetables. <gasps> and oh, I whoa. said to myself, <laughs> you know, I could be a big fish in a small pond here. <laughs> And that was the, my reason for coming here. Plus, I, I always loved it. My background, I never went to culinary school per se. I, at some point in time, went to France and spent oh, time wow. there. Okay. And was lucky enough to work uh, in the north part of Burgundy oh. for a French family who had this wonderful little inn. And I was a commis, a, a slave in the kitchen. <laughs> but it was one of those magical times. We've all heard about it, but then it was very unique, where um, we didn't write the menu. We changed the menu every day, but we didn't write the menu until we had gone to the market early in the morning and picked out the very best stuff that we thought we wanted to work with. And I thought we should be doing that here. Mm -hmm. And again, it's this back in the late 70s, early 80s. That was not the, uh, the mm -hmm. thing at all. I think Alice Waters did mm -hmm. a great job right. of, um, you know, of kind of promoting that yeah. idea. She also takes credit for it. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm just I'm kind of jabbing her here. Yeah, about, of course. But she was very <laughs> good yeah, about it. Did you hear that? Yeah, <laughs> about, uh, yeah. You know, getting this that concept out of that farm to table concept it's, that, and it's the ingredients. It's yes. not the chef. Exactly. It's not. It's not that. Yeah. And then you uh, have those kind of fresh, delicious, grown, and up here the soil. I don't know what it is. The soils. We, so, we, I mean, we we're good, good chefs with the food yeah. here. Yeah. We make good food because yeah. the food's yeah. so fresh. And well, we and, part, and part of it is, you know, there's the wine analogy there. Yeah. We have so many micro-climates. Yeah. Yes, so, true. So things, some things grow better over there than they grow here and yeah. all of that stuff, and you're just finding them. You know? I think that's such a great point because we always talk about microclimates in relation to wine grapes, but we never really talk about it in relation to food oh, and yeah. what an impact that does. Well, one of the fun things about that is I chef friends in other parts of the country, and they, they are always jabbing me about, you haven't eaten tomatoes until you've had a Jersey tomato. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that kind yeah, of yeah. thing. Yeah, you know, off the patch. But they're, but they're really good, and, and they're different than yeah, the, they're, right. the tomatoes we get here, and it's because of the, the microclimate, the yeah. soil, the, the water, all of those kinds of things. So, so it's really true. It's the mm -hmm. same reason you can taste a cab from the, North, the Sonoma Coast, the Petaluma Gap, uh, Paso Robles, Napa, and, the and they're yeah. all such different, and yeah. it's the same grape. Yeah, it gives you a good example, you know, for the listeners on what that means when a different climate and a different soil participates in the growth of that vegetable.
if you have some friends who maybe will go in with you, it's fun to do tastings at home that way. Yeah. Oh. And take something from you, you, where where yeah. they where winemakers in that locality claim that theirs is the best. Well, let's taste this and see how they differ from each other. Yeah. And they really do. So interesting. Yeah. You know, I think about that and that must be why sometimes you do sit down to a restaurant and proudly it'll say, I think of what moss strawberries in Sonoma Valley. Everyone, yeah. it's what moss yeah. strawberries because they're known for having these great strawberries. I guess it's kind of like a winery getting known for a certain yeah. wine. Farms yeah. here get known for a certain produce Absolutely. or you know, a certain chicken or something. Milk, you know, for making cheese, yeah. you know, it's yeah. very different. Yeah. So. yeah. And what the cattle are feeding on, I think we'll get into that. Like yeah. all the oh, different yeah. distinctions in cheeses, that's a big part yeah. of a cheese. The, yeah. What the goats and what the cattle are, are, uh, are eating. And yeah. the buffalo. Yeah. And the buffalo, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we should just kind of list the things that you are known for outside of just being known as father of wine country cuisine is pretty big deal. So, so that's not a title I, I know but myself, but I know, but <laughs> I think we're going to brag on yeah, it. Yeah, we're going to yeah. use it, okay. but okay. Um, you've been, your, uh, your namesake restaurant, John Ashton Company has been since 1980, so mm -hmm. it's been an ongoing restaurant, which is huge. You've co-hosted a radio show called The Good Food Hour since 1987. You have had um, been on a couple Food Network shows. Mm -hmm. My that shows that TV's on all, every day in my house. Um, you're an instructor at the Culinary Institute of America. You've um, written a couple, several cooking mm -hmm. books. Or oh, some great ones. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you're also I love you're also on the board of the Seafood Watch and board of the Chefs Collaborative, and also the Cheese Guild. I won't say it because they put it in French. But yeah. that you're now awesome, uh, newly. Well, the French think they uh, are best at everything. So. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, but his books, you got to look up John Ash's books, Cooking Wild. Yeah. Um, there's over 150 recipes for eating close to nature, which yeah. is, which I love. And, you know, that we're going to hear more about it, I'm sure. But yeah. That, and then that's you've impressive. Also, I know. I mean, we could keep going because you've also been in some of the magazines like Eating Well and Fine Cooking. Are we missing anything? Probably lots, yes. right? <laughs> yes. The, the important things. I've won two James Beard Awards, oh, which yeah, is yeah. which is wow. important. That's uh, cookbook of the year, the Julia Child yep, Award. Yep. So for all of those, which which are great, and I'm not bragging on those, no, but, but it's just that idea that those are voted on by your compatriots. Yes, you know, that so says a lot. So that's the best kind yeah, of award. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. You know? It's not a bunch of bozos over there. Yeah, <laughs> they, 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 somebody took out an ad yeah, in the paper yeah, and there yeah. was a good yeah. one. So, you know, share with us, I mean, Let's all the different things with, uh, that you've been like, doing. Yeah, I like what you, I like it so far. I, I love this story. I think it's a smart move you made up here and, and thank God. I really, I mean, it in, you mentioned Alice Waters, but also I think it sounds like John Ash and Company, your restaurant, was one of the first to kind of bring that farm-to-table restaurant here to this region. To to the wine country. Yeah, to yeah. wine country. And it's surprising that, uh, but when you think, you know, that was nearly 40 years ago, uh, 
again, restaurants, that, that isn't what they were doing mm -hmm. then. And they, there was not a lot of thought about really reaching out to those people who were doing stuff right next door to you and mm -hmm. all of that. So that was, yeah. that was wow. quite an amazing okay. time. And so part of it, I'll, I'll tell you about the first John Ash and Company. Okay. So we built this beautiful place that we're sitting in right now. Oh. Um, uh, but the original one was in a shopping center, I mean a kind of shishi shopping center oh, okay. in Santa Rosa called uh, uh, Montgomery Village. Oh, and okay. originally, I I originally, and it's, it's still a really wonderful spot, yeah. uh, but originally I didn't want to open a restaurant. What I wanted to do was to open a wine shop, really specialize in wine, uh, and have as an adjunct to that food that we would offer, but it would be in the context of classes. So we uh, looked around for a long time, and the place that I ended up getting was too big just to do a wine shop in. So, we, uh, so that's how I started to do the restaurant. Yeah. And we, were, we, we did something that no one else had done at that point. The wine, to get into the restaurant, you had to walk through the wine shop uh, uh. to get in there. And we, our policy was that you could buy any wine in the wine shop and take it into the restaurant for no corkage. Oh, and you know the typical corkage in, mm -hmm. in yeah, restaurants. Yeah, the cost of a bottle. Well, it's often more. It's, yeah. You know, it's like three to four times the wholesale cost. The French it's, laundry it's, is only $150. Yeah, <laughs> if you want to bring your own wine to do that. So, so it makes it prohibitive, especially for more expensive, mm -hmm. you know, kind of shishi wines and so our deal was we just sold a ton of wine because people could actually try things that they couldn't yeah. afford. Yeah, and then they would go back and grab a couple of bottles to take yeah. home. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's what I would do. So we, so we yeah. did that for a long time. And the deal was that every week we had at least a couple of wine or wine and food or you know guest winemakers or whatever but things to go on that were about education and often the audience was made up mostly of winemakers, local winemakers, wow, okay. who had a chance to meet winemakers from France or Italy or something like that. So it was a gas, and of course it was fantastic for me yeah. uh, because I learned a lot, you know. Right. Uh, but I didn't have to pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> or I had to pay for it, but yeah. <laughs> but it pay for it in a different way. Yeah. Along the way. So that's that was kind of the start, and so I think this title, which I got from, I'm trying to remember the father of wine country cuisine, the idea of it was that food and wine are meant to be mm -hmm. consumed together. Yes. And for a long time, even up until recent times, in restaurants, there was the wine buyer, the sommelier, the yeah. whatever you want to call him or her over here, and there was the chef over here, and often they didn't talk to each other. They, yeah. they didn't talk That's the same. Yeah. Yeah. And so our whole thing was, no, let's really think about uh, when we're putting uh, food on a menu or recommending food, mm -hmm. that we also suggest, not demand, but yeah. suggest wines that go with it. And if people were interested, we could tell them why we thought yeah. they worked. And so that was a big part of uh, my little claim to fame in this part of the world.
And, you know, you talked about this, how you, I'm sure a lot, come, you were living in France, you had that experience, mm -hmm. and you, you mentioned this before, is that in Europe, food and wine are just together. Like, that's, wine is the meal, part of the meal, and they don't overcomplicate it. And here, no. we tend to separate those two, and maybe we get a little bit too complicated in how we're doing it. It drives me crazy. It, mm -hmm. it drives me because there's so much geekiness often. <laughs> a, a, the more expensive the restaurant, the more geeky the wine list and the mm -hmm. wine director and all. I mean, it's it's changed because yeah. I think there's been a pushback, thank goodness, mm -hmm. from uh, consumers, from restaurant people who've gone to restaurants who've said, just you know, don't give me that. Just to, you know, I, I don't need to know the the history of the winery, what hillside the grapes were grown on, you know, that kind of stuff. I just want to know: is it going to go with this dish? And if I've never had it before, what does it taste like uh, before I make the commitment to buy a glass or a bottle? And so I think we're in that stage now, where it's much more accessible, uh, mm -hmm. and and people have, and that's why I've so enjoyed teaching at the CIA and all of that, my strategy has been just make it easy for people to get in there. One of my big things, which I think you, you probably heard me gas on about there, was uh, on, wine, on the back label of, of, of a bottle of wine, why not, instead of going through all of the either technical notes or, again, the hillside was grown and when it was harvested, uh, sugar content, who cares about that? Just tell me how it tastes. And tell me in simple terms, yeah. so that even if I don't know a lot about wine, mm -hmm. uh, I'll I'll have a sense of what that's about. Because from a food standpoint, we're not so so geeked out about it. Yeah. Uh, I know that there's certain flavors that I like, mm -hmm. and I think if there's something that's important about putting food and wine together, if there's the initial. Uh, entry into that is fine food and wine that have similarities, mm -hmm. similarities of flavor. That's kind and of your your approach, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's one of them. One it's of where yeah. you, it's where you begin. And if you go no further than that, then pff, that's it. And of course, fine wines that you like, uh, you don't have to try something because I said it was good. I mean, if you want to try it, that's great. Yeah. But people have they have preferences about things. I, th I think one of the things that always has, has driven me crazy, and it's gotten a little better, but there was a time, uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago, in which poor white Zinfandel was put down all the time. Yeah. And uh, yeah. sommeliers would say to me things like, well, we don't offer white Zinfandel on our wine list. We try to move people up. And I thought, you yeah. you are such a jerk. If people <laughs> yeah. like white Zinfandel, like. Like, then give it to them. Yeah. And they're perfectly wonderful white Zinfandels. It's yeah. made in all kinds of styles, yeah. all that stuff too. It's really a rosé, isn't it? Well, I mean, kind of. It's kind it of. Is. It's a pink wine. Yeah. Sometimes it was kind of sweet. And, yeah. and there's yeah. this prejudice against wines that had residual sugar in them and all that stuff. But it's you know, if that's what I like, then give it to me. I, it. I'm, I'm paying you money. Yeah, and everyone has. That an entry point into wine yeah. too. If you like, start, enjoy it. Well, and even if you don't want to start, yeah, even if that's what you stick with for the rest of your life, uh, true. perfectly fine. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, Meredith, you and I have always been taught that pick the wine and design the food to go with that fine. It's just, John, it's a little bit how you were talking a minute ago. You know, don't. 
don't fuss at people for the particular wine they like, but prepare the food around it. So what's a great approach for our listeners that could do that? If they want to, if they're sitting on a good cab or a good Merlot or maybe even a good Sangiovese from Italy or something, how, can you kind of take us through a little tutorial on how you would make the food pair better with a particular wine that you would like? Well, one of the things that you hear people, especially, again, sommeliers and winemakers or, or wineries who will put on their back label tastes of, you know, charred, whatever, yeah. you know, all that <laughs> kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, sometimes that can be a great way of doing mm. it. Again, it's it's my, my feeling that I'd like to see uh, more direct descriptions of flavor mm -hmm. is this crisp clean and lemony yeah okay yeah. Uh, okay i'm getting a sense of sense that. of what that's about is this rich and full-bodied with a lot of oak aging to yeah. it chewy get, is it jammy yeah. and chewy well so, sometimes those words like what does yeah. chewy mean yeah. if you don't have a yeah. lot of a lot of that right. it's, so. it's like more specific Kind of flavor, oh, yeah. so so one, and so that can be a bridge. Mm -hmm. It's like, and so we mentioned this idea, and there, there are really kind of two strategies in yeah. my mind that are very simple. One is similarity; mm -hmm. it's the one that we use the most, uh, and it's that idea is to find similar flavors in the food and the wine. Mm -hmm. Got it. So, okay. yeah. if you can describe the wine, the flavors in the wine, or describe the flavors in the food, it's look for those things in which they're are similarities. Mm -hmm. The other strategy, and it's a little bit more risky, but it can be really fun, uh -huh. is called contrast. And there, what oh. you do is look for things that are really very different from each other, mm -hmm. but somehow when they come together, they really work. Yeah. And I, sometimes it's a disaster, but but when it does work, it can be really, uh, it can be really okay, let's, let's, do a, let's do an experiment. So we're drinking one of, Dominica Amada is our buddy Michael Scorzone's wines of Viognier. And uh, what, so what would you do with it on a contrast? Um, well, Viognier has, we were talking about this particular wine. So Viognier is made in such a broad range of styles. Mm -hmm. Viognier in this country tends to be pretty fruity and pretty flowery and all of that. Yeah. This one isn't so much. Yeah, this is true. This yeah. is more you know more austere I'm actually being able to taste without this overlay of a lot of flowers and fruit and perfume actually taste the grape variety in here so this is pretty versatile this would go with uh, kind of all kinds of things it has good acidity it has nice body to it which means that it has some you know texture it, on your palate yeah it's not just there and then it's gone but yeah. it yeah. hangs with you for a little mm -hmm. while mm -hmm. so this could stand up to some pretty rich dishes mm. too really? like uh, dishes with creaminess to them and yeah. all of this stuff it could also stand up to dishes in which traditionally we would think about having red wine with yeah. like uh, from the France, French side, beef bourguignon, oh. or something like that, which oh, is traditionally yeah. made with red wine. But this is good enough to do with that. And it, as a cook, what would be the what would be fun for me is instead of using a red wine to make that beef oh. burgundy, is instead to use this wine or a wine oh, similarly to that, and so have a have a so white awesome. beef burgundy. I love that. We're about ready to tell us what sounds like a very exciting story. So now we are all ears. 
Well, I'm not sure it's exciting, but it is one of the things in my that I look back on with with great love was that I had a chance over the years to do things with Julia Child once in a while. Wow. And when she would like come here, come to San Francisco or something, I, I was only one of, but she yeah. would call me occasionally to come help her do things. Wow, uh, and all of that. And I, and I remember a couple of her ideas about food and wine. Mm -hmm. I mean, she knew a great deal about food oh, and wine, yeah. obviously. Uh, but she was unpretentious about it, and okay. so she had a couple of rules which I think uh, really help, and that is she would say, if you're cooking something, uh, and well, it came from this fact that people would always ask her, if you remember the early days of uh, The French Chef, you know, her mm -hmm. first oh, television yeah. series, yeah. Uh, she often was drinking a glass of wine, and people mm -hmm. would ask her, why are you drinking uh, wine, uh, Julia? And she would answer in her that kind of asthmatic, you know, yeah. that Dan Aykroyd kind of kind of voice. Which well, one? it's because I enjoy drinking a glass of wine with, uh, uh, you know, while I'm cooking. But she would add to that often mm -hmm. if people were interested. She would add to that, and the wine that I'm drinking is the wine that I'm going to be serving yeah. with the food. So I can't change the wine, it's sense. in the bottle already, mm -hmm. but I can change the food. So take a sip, taste the food, oh, food maybe needs a little more acid, maybe needs a little more yeah. whatever, but I could make the two work better together. Mm -hmm. I remember I him talking about that when I took his class yeah. and I told my husband, he's like, great, so by the time I get home, you already be a half a bottle in well, while you're cooking. Yeah, <laughs> that's the down part. Tasting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not drink, not These drinking. Sips. That's the downside of all. But, but listeners, I mean, there's your rule. Yeah. There's your rule I mean, right now. It. Take that favorite bottle and sip while you're cooking. Yeah. And get it paired up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it helps. And things will be revealed to you. And again, because it's a very personal thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's some guidelines yeah. that are important. But if you don't like tarragon, uh, then Don't you're not going to have it, yeah. <laughs> even though it might be the perfect thing to make the wine work better. Right. So, so it also recognizes that each of us has preference. The other thing that she said, so if you want one rule to walk away mm -hmm. with, according to Julia, she would say uh, that the most important thing, and I think she's right, the most important thing about putting food and wine together is to make sure that the acidity of the food and the wine are in balance. Mm. Okay. And that almost always means that you need to add acidity to the food mm. yes. uh, because wine has a pretty high acidity level. And it's why a squeeze of lemon mm. It makes everything taste better. Yeah, you know? it really I does. Was, yeah. I was thinking back to one of the things you had us uh -huh. do in your class. This is again that class was such an aha moment. But the first thing was talking to the acid level. You have the perfect examples. Think of Sauvignon Blanc, which typically is high acid, and you goat cheese, which mm -hmm. is a cheese that has and together because of the acid component, they're really, really good together. And they're complementary. Yes, that's the, the complementary. And yeah. then you had us do the Sauv Blanc with something contrasting, which was avocado, and because mm -hmm. it's so creamy and mm -hmm. lacks some of that acid mm -hmm. in it. To me, you also would say it's a train a train wreck, mm -hmm. like there's train yeah. tracks or a train, and it was kind of a train wreck, at least mm -hmm. on my palate, but add a squeeze of lemon, and all of a sudden that avocado comes to yeah. life, and yeah. then with the Sauv Blanc, it then becomes more 
complementary. It, it becomes a, a great example of the Julia mm -hmm. axiom yeah. about make sure the the acidity of both are, are and they in always, balance. That's like one of those that I always keep in my mind and apply it to obviously other foods. But yeah. it was such a, in terms of an example, it was such a perfect example. Yeah. All right, well, let's open up the big box. <laughs> you know, seeing how you were recently inducted into the Guild Internationale des Fromagères. I have no idea what that means. Yeah, that's <laughs> the, cheese, the, the French Cheese Guild or yeah. International yeah. Well, Cheese Well, it's for guild. your love of wine and cheese. Yeah. And how organizing wine and food into families to, sim to just help simplify and join. You know, there is so much curiosity out there and and kind of go for it or either talk to the lady at Whole Foods to help you or whatever. <laughs> but I am so beyond ignorant with really cheeses, you know? Yeah. And if if you have that simplicity that you approach with food, is there is there the same type of thing with cheese? Yeah. Part of it is to learn the families of cheeses. Okay. And there are six or seven of them. Mm -hmm. And you can decide which of those you like. I, I personally like them all. So Yeah, yeah exactly. I know. I think I might like them all. Yeah. So. But it goes from the, those young, fresh cheeses, you know, things that are, oh, they're, they're, they're not stinky. They're not right. all of those they're kinds of things. It's more simple. They're simple. Tasty, but simple. simple. Yeah, things like mozzarella, well, especially fresh mozzarella. Yes. Well, it's just it just is fresh and nice and there's not a lot of complexity to it mm -hmm. but it's delicious you know yeah. and things and then work your way through things like uh, soft ripening cheeses these are the cheeses that have a mold on the outside so they uh, and that could be camembert and brie okay. and things like that mm -hmm. uh, and they can be made out of all kinds of milks different kinds of milks okay. uh, to harder cheeses you know to what are called semi-soft cheeses mm -hmm. like gruyere Emmentaler oh, yeah. and cheddar and those kinds of things and at the very end are big blues you know mm. because yeah. they're kind of salty and stinky and we got a lot going on a lot, very complex a lot with them and so a a delicate little white wine uh, is not going to go with one of those blue cheeses you need something that can stand up to it I mean it's a it's a marriage yeah. <laughs> you know you need yeah. to have you need to have uh, uh, okay, so flavors the, that kind of work. Light crisp, Sablanc, uh, Simeon, Pinot Grigio. Pinot Grigio. What would, Pinot so Grigio. where would I go? Well, typically with these young, fresh cheeses. So mm -hmm. uh, the the mozzarellas, the, the lighter. Yeah, yeah, cream. The, the fresh milk flavors. To fresh them. milk flavors. So they're not aged. They're not meant to be, you know put away for a long time to develop complexity and stuff. And they're absolutely delicious. I think my favorite of, of those cheeses is burrata. You know, oh, burrata. Yeah. a good burrata. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, yes. if, if I, I see that on the menu, oh, yeah. it's getting ordered. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'll give yeah. you a tip. It is okay. I think the best burrata in America. Do you want this? Yes. Oh, uh, please. Well, you probably have to ask your cheese person to, to order it in for you. Okay. But it's a company, a little company down in Los Angeles. Oh. called Gioia, G-I-O-I-A, and it's so much fun. It used to be I would call them down to order some shipped to me, 
and nobody there spoke English. They only spoke Italian. Uh, and so, but I somehow would kind of get through it, but uh-huh. that was part of the uh, the fun of right. of yeah. But you can get it at good cheese shops and all. Okay. And there and there's some other now good burrattas, but to my mind, that's the best one. It's not uh, it's not easy to find a good not burrata. Good burrata. Well, and part of it is because it's fresh milk. Yeah. So it's the mozzarella stretched around. Stores uh, don't want to uh, with, sit with on it. Well, it doesn't last very long. Yeah. So it's got a shelf life of a week, ten days. So as we go into into more of the creamier, let's go from fresh in a little bit more of the creamiers, like the triple creams and and that sort of thing. What's your opinion? So of typically those are what I call soft rime, soft ripening, soft ripening, bloomy rind. They're also yeah. called. So those are the brie's and the camembert's oh. and those kinds of things. The Pierre Robert, the you know their their whole class of those things. And they can be either younger, they can be double cream or triple cream, and and they really reflect, as we were talking about earlier, terroir, where the oh. milk comes from. Okay. And so that becomes a big, and so just find ones that you that you like, mm-hmm. a, a really inexpensive one that now is everywhere in cheese shops or anybody who has a cheese case, is a cheese called Affinois, A-F-F-I-N-O-I-S. And it's inexpensive. Yeah. It's a soft, has that, that bloomy rind. Uh-huh. Do you eat texture. the rind with Yes. That? I like it Absol- too. Absolutely. I don't know if it's goofing up. <laughs> no, 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 no. You must eat it. It seems like it's got good bacteria. Well, it does. And also, one of the things in eating cheeses like that and then cheeses that have more age on them is to try the center and then try the cheese closest to the rind. Uh-huh. There's a little, a little difference. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's yeah. a lot of it. And so it's, it's part of the fun of, yeah. of eating yeah. cheeses like that. Okay. And in that same category are washed rind cheeses. Uh-huh. And these are stinky cheeses. Uh-huh. So these are ones that have that uh, that bloomy oh, rind on the outside, but they're washed in something. It could Is be that what makes them have yeah. a stronger fragrance? Yeah, they uh, pick up... Um, Bacteria and stuff that give. I heard they wash them in. I was reading your notes like beer. They wash. Oh, they did. All kinds of things. Like there's that one. It's drunken goat cheese, and that they say it's in red wine. Yeah, that would be an example of that. Same idea. Okay, another big question that's out there is cow versus goat. Well, they just have different flavors, you know. And some some people don't like goat cheese because it's a little barnyardy, and yeah. it, and you can if you're a cheesemaker, you can make it more barnyardy, depending on how you make it and mm. all of that. But they're they're just different cheeses, and sheep's milk cheeses are another yeah, sheep, cat yeah. category. Yeah. And what we see we we see them more from Europe, but there actually are some being made in America, now here in Sonoma County, as a matter of fact, are water buffalo, buffalo oh, milk cheeses, yeah. uh, which have a, a different, they have a, a little bit different uh, mouthfeel. One of the reasons that some people don't like goat cheese, it's a, it can be a little chalky you mm. know, on the palate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not as creamy and all of that stuff, but uh, it's, my attitude is, well, get a life, you know, you, got, yeah. <laughs> you have to like goat cheese. You put a little basil <laughs> or garlic in it and it's like, oh, it's so good. Mentioned making in California, and I know you have a question, Lou. So, but I have a quick question before you get to your question. I think that's one thing too is talking about how diverse 
northern, I mean, guess all of California, but there's a lot of dairies here making cheese. Oh, yeah. Is that yeah. correct? And some really delicious cheeses yeah. as yeah. well. Yeah. It's, Amer it's amazing that American-made cheeses now rank with cheeses made at any other place in the world. Didn't used to be that way. Mm -hmm. Again, that's something that came from, I, I have to say that I was the first or maybe the second customer of Laura Chanel when she started oh. making goat cheese. Yeah. And I remember coming to the back door of the restaurant and saying, would you like to try my goat cheese? And, you know, I said, sure, I love goat cheese. Yeah. Uh, and it took us a, a while to sell it to people it because they would taste it and because of that kind of farmyard, oh. kind of chalky Jeez. kind of yeah, texture that it has, which I think is I one of the things that makes it really wonderful. I love it. Uh, <laughs> So it was great, but it took us a while to convince people because people said, you know, if you hadn't traveled in Europe a lot, yeah. uh, goat cheese, I, ugh, I don't want goat cheese. Well, you know, <laughs> we've, she sells that and lately over. we've been adding a little lemon zest to yeah. our goat you cheese. Did yeah. the lemon zest with the basil. Yeah. That yeah. Was, that was it's goat cheese is ripe for the addition of all kinds of things, peppercorns, herbs, exactly. you know, all that exactly. stuff. It, it's a I love great it. carrier. Yeah. And one of the ways of also making it so that it's not fresh goat cheese, you can change it by dropping whatever, either as is, or maybe you've done one in which you've added other things to it, put it in olive oil and cover it with olive oil, put it in the fridge. Oh, like can, storing it in olive oil. Yeah, and you can leave it there for months in oh. there and try it as you, uh, over time. Yeah. And it changes because it takes on the flavor yeah. of the things you've added. Its texture also changes yeah. a little bit and all of that. So oh, I think I'd love that. little experiments yeah. he's yeah. giving us. I love this. Okay, now let's go into more of the harder cheeses. Yeah. So what do people look for in some of the harder cheeses? Well, you know, during the break we had a little epiphany huh yeah and i think the question was uh i hadn't been mentioning any red wines mm -hmm. and the truth of it is so here's something i want everybody to keep in their mind if you take the world of cheeses all of these families of cheeses and you had to pick one wine one wine only to go with it it would be a white wine rather than wow. a red. which is not to say that there aren't great red wine and cheese matches mm -hmm. but white wine goes with a broader variety of cheese than red does. So when you get into these harder cheeses, either the semi-soft or the hard cheeses like uh, Parmesan or mm -hmm. Grana Padano, Asiago, Asiago, those mm -hmm. kinds of things which have been aged for, you know, a great Parmesan has been aged for at least two years, yeah. if not longer. Um, there, That's where red wines kind of shine. I think okay. you're right. Yeah, I noticed. My best buddy down in uh, San Diego, Monte Montemanero, he orders a big wheel of Parmesan cheese every year. We call it the cut the cheese party. <laughs> and um, and he and I, all the time, at the end of the day, when we're about to have a glass of wine, he pulls out the parm mm. from the fridge and we just break off chunks. And yeah. man, I love that pairing. Oh, it's fantastic. And it, over time, it gets better. And can I give you a little tip? Yes. Don't ever, ever, ever throw away that rind. Yes. Because it's the most amazing ingredient in cooking. He cooks with it. Yeah, yeah. You throw it into the making of, I mean, it's the classic uh, addition or basic ingredient to make great minestrone mm -hmm. with. Oh. So, it's, so it's a vegetarian soup, but throw that rind in there and let it cook yeah. while the vegetables are cooking. Yeah. It's like, whoa, it's so fantastic. Oh, I love that. Actually, people will pay more for the rind they than they will for the cheese. The grocery stores now sell, oh, sell yeah. like you can just buy the what? rind. Yeah. I know, I always, someone, I, 
taught me just freeze them, keep it in the freezer, yeah, and then you want it, yeah, toss it, it in your soup or well, something. And, but the, and the very cool thing is that when you take it out, if it has, it, 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 you can use it several times. Uh, you can also yeah. really in the yeah. in the soup or the sauce or whatever you put it in, you can take it and it's softened a little bit. Uh -huh. So start nibbling on that, and it's like, whoa, that's another oh, tasty. Oh, stop it, stop <laughs> it. So let's go into like you know we're famous in Sonoma for this aged Jack and Vella from, from Vella, yeah, yeah. And then you got to me in the same categories as Gouda's, and is that is that about that same? Uh, yeah, yeah, they are. Jack is close. The aged Jack is closer to Parmesan. Than yeah, it is. Than you had some the other night. Are, are, so good, and they're great ones. We have great Gouda makers in uh, in California. One is in San Diego, of all places, oh. called Winchester Gouda, Winchester. and so they do this whole range of Goudas from young to aged. And they're so different from each other. Oh, and so the aged Gouda is texture-wise and, and flavor-wise is kind of like a parm or yeah. something. Like that. And so it's great to eat as is, but it's also great to grate on things and mm -hmm. all of that stuff. But what do you think of the guys up at Cow Cowgirl Creamery? I love them. <laughs> the, the, the two women. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the cheeses are just like off the hook. Well, and the other thing that they've done, which makes them so great, is they sell cheese from makers from all over the world. Yeah. So you get into their library mm. and it's it's really it's really great. Mount but, Tams. Yeah, that's the oh. cheese that they make. And so yeah. what they do and they really do this thing of seasonal cheeses. So the oh. most popular of their cheeses is one called Mount Tam, named uh -huh. after yeah. The, yeah. I get the, it. the mountain here. But then during the year like they're just they're just finishing now with St. Pat's, which is an herb coated cheese and all of that stuff, and moving into uh, the next. I'm blanking now on the title, but each season, each every three one. months, they have a different one cheese. that is flavored with things that are that are reminiscent of that season. So they're great to follow. Ooh, yummy. Oh, yeah. So then, that. what do you, what do you think about charcuterie, like? Maybe Italian meats and stuff. Oh yeah. Well, it's they're they're pretty amazing. Rich, Rich. so it can stand usually a, a big a big bigger red or a big white. Yeah. You know mm -hmm. that uh, they go with it, um, and that world it's an it's another amazing world because when you talk about charcuterie, you're talking also about salumi sausages mm. i mean that's all part of that yeah. very complex yeah it's uh, very complex com complex world but but yes bring it on i know <laughs> our like friend pascal lays it out yeah, beautifully yeah. He definitely pates yeah uh you know they're, they're again the french and the italians you know oh, yeah. One more cheese question before okay. we move on, but we I recently was just introduced some, to some vegan cheese and I have to say I was really pleasantly surprised. So what's your take on the vegan cheese? Well, the history of vegan cheese was, was not very bright in, yes. in my experience. It was like they were interesting, but they weren't cheese. I mean, mm -hmm. if, if you're looking for cheese, you're not going to be satisfied. But there's a producer, and I, we should all ask for samples from her, just because we're promoting her, yeah. called Miyoko. She's uh, Japanese, and her, she's headquartered in Petaluma. And Let's she, spell that real quick. Yeah, M Y O K O. 
I think. Yeah. I think that is it, Mayoko. Yeah. 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 And she makes the most amazing cheeses mm -hmm. and butter. Uh, yeah, that I had. Which I is, like butter. Uh, well, you know, if somebody put this on a table, didn't tell you what it was, you'd think this is as good as any cultured butter, and it's cultured, uh, cultured butter that I get from France or from Ireland or someplace like that. It's really good. Oh, we've got to try it because we were talking how she has one that's, I think she does several different, she like does. anyone, but she does. one that's covered in black ash and yeah. it was just it knocked my socks off, yeah. I gotta say. Now, so, where did you get that? It was part of um, Jameson Animal Rescue Ranch does a big charity fundraiser, and since they couldn't do a an actual fundraiser, was they virtual? So they sent you the wine and cheese the oh, while you were watching uh -huh. it virtually, and they're um, they always do a full vegan dinner as part of their fundraiser because it's all about the animals. So they sent this and with it, and it was amazing, fantastic. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, and I mean, okay. I, from a wine, I think we, I think I was drinking bubbles with it because I feel like bubbles go with everything. I would be surprised and to they hear do. that. <laughs> Her nickname's Miss Bubbles. I'm always up for bubbles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that, but that, it, but it's nice to know for people who are vegetarian or yeah. vegan uh, that uh, something exists now that's absolutely satisfying. So. I totally agree. I was really, really surprised. So I've got a, I've got a question, a kind of a you know, personal uh, in, uh, inquisitiveness about it. I, I think about it a lot because the holidays are such cool times, you know, and uh, I think this year we're going to see so many more people having at-home holidays. Are there any, like, helpful hints that, to people that they wouldn't normally know uh, that could make holidays different from <laughs> food? and? Yeah, I, I think people try you know what to I'm try too yeah. hard and try try to make too much themselves. Yes. And yes. just like some of the things we've been talking about, you can buy them. Yeah. And to, yeah. to do a really nice cheese board or a charcuterie board, that yeah. takes up a lot of that. We have, well, especially here, but now all over the country, great bread makers. Uh, so, yeah. so, so some really amazing. Uh, breads would be uh, mm -hmm. would be part of that and just keep it simple you know do things that you can make two or three days ahead of time most of it good idea and then put so it, it doesn't out ruin your day so you're not trying to do it all at the last minute yeah. and you know i know some people don't want to in these times go shopping and do all that stuff you can get anything online yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know one of my favorite places i i don't buy from there very often but that's uh, to buy everything from breads to charcuterie to cheeses and all, all that stuff is this amazing Zingerman's in oh, Ann Arbor, Michigan, Michigan. Uh, which is one of the most amazing delis that you and they can satisfy you, you spend a lot of money, but <laughs> who, who cares? It's the, the holidays. Yeah. Do you have a go-to wine for the holidays? What you think is goes with the, you know, there's quite a medley of different flavors. Well, on the that's table. that's right. They're often savory and sweet. Yes. Uh, yeah. Get in there, and that's a that, that can make it a little bit difficult. Mm -hmm. But I understand that you're the bubbles queen. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Something sparkling would be uh, uh, would, would go with everything. Oh, perfect. And then if not, have a red and a white for people okay, to yeah. to enjoy, and not big knock you over the head kinds Simple. of reds or all those things, but things that are a little 
you know, a, a little bit more accessible to mm -hmm. foods. Like I love Grenache. I was going to say, you know, I was which, to say a little Grenache. I like GSM too. Yeah, uh, and GSM is the the Rhone blend of whites, mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, yeah, which is really fantastic. Because with like you said, you might have a honey baked ham and a savory uh, yeah. turkey. Yeah, 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 and, and dressings which are yeah. a little spicier and or sweet or whatever. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. Yeah. And then yeah. of course that's sweet potatoes with, mar with <laughs> melted marshmallows yeah. on top. That's a southern dish we we use. Ruin it with the marshmallows. <laughs> oh, girlfriend, not, not that one day a year. like we'd be a little remiss if we don't talk about the impact that this pandemic has had on the restaurant business because obviously most places have had to close completely or they're very limited on what they can how many people they can serve it well there's a lot that's been said about yeah. it and, and a lot of people are trying to um, to help mm -hmm. and I think maybe that's the attitude we should all have mm -hmm. is that I think I heard you say something like uh, where you live they have take out Thursdays or something exactly. like that. Take so one Thursday. day a week at least that you go by and especially for people that you like, mm -hmm. you know, you want to see, try to exist. Uh, I, I think that's the best thing that you could do. It, it's the landscape is going to change so dramatically. I think next year when we get together yes. and talk about this, you know, It'll half those half the restaurants we know yeah. won't be there. Yeah. You know, so. yep. And I, feel, I think one other thing some, you might have said there someone, is also just to have patience with restaurants yeah. right now yeah. in terms of, because they're, they're learning through this too. They yeah. don't have experience, so yeah. not getting upset if things aren't how you remember them yeah. being. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, we don't want to spend too much time, but I do think it's important for us. Oh, it is. It is. Supporting. Well, and, you know, just from a, the nation standpoint, the mm -hmm. restaurant and hospitality industry it provides more than 50% of the jobs. And so, yeah. so if we want to keep people employed and all of that stuff, keep the economy moving at some rate, we need to make sure that those things still work. I agree. Well, it means I can order, uh, it encourages me to eat all those yummy foods. I just go order and pick them up. I, <laughs> yeah. I know, I can't wait to come back here. And <laughs> I know, I need to get some cheese is what we need to get. I know, I, I like the list we've got. Well, yeah. and cheese is an easy one because you can, there are lots of, go to go to Calgary Creamery yeah. or their, their cheese site mm. is called Tamales Bay Foods. Oh, and okay. they, they offer not only all of their Calgary cheeses, but the world of other cheeses and oh, all kinds of things. Uh, you have to get. We'll put all those links in the in yeah. the. Yeah, you have to get. Uh, <laughs> you'll become addicted to them. Oh. Effie's shortbreads. Oh. E F F I E S. Effie's oh. shortbreads. Oh, shortbreads. Shortbreads. So they're sweet, but they're they're the best thing you'll ever eat, and they're great with cheese. I know that you probably get asked this a lot from your type buddies, but. What's your, what's the your favorite thing to cook for yourself? I I do get asked that, and I have another one which I'll another thing I get asked a lot, which or told to me a lot, which I'll share after I answer your question. Uh, basically, there isn't a favorite thing, and for me, it is cooking in seasons, cooking with mm -hmm. what's available, and I think that's that. It goes back to when I first started, you know, yeah. that we would go to the market and whatever looked best. And 
also to maybe try things that you've never tried before yeah. to expand your horizons a little bit. For sure. And I'm always amazed by, I never like, like cactus pads. Well, I don't know if I like this. And I, 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 I had a salsa made out of it. Yeah. And, and it was so good. Yeah, they're delicious. I'm writing an article for my, my local newspaper here. And I said, I bet I could make a drink out of those. Okay. And so I made a, they're called nopal, the nopales. Uh, so I made a, a lime and cactus pad drink. Wow. Well, I've noticed, odd, I've noticed <laughs> on the nopales too, their prickly pears are coming out. Yeah. They're, on the, on my, yeah and that's what they're all so called. Yeah. yeah. Then yeah. You, we, we could do And a, the fruit is really good. Prickly we could do fruit. a cocktail on yeah. that for sure. Interesting. Wow. What's the other thing you could ask them? Uh, what was, oh. Uh, or, or I ask other people, so how come you never invite me over? Yeah, <laughs> I, it's yeah. called intimidation. Yeah. 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 Oh, I'd be so intimidated. I said, I, I'll eat anything. I mean, I love food. You know, I want to try anything. I don't care what it is. You know, so there's no. Well, it's not like about burnt water. It's uh, not coming over to my fa house. Fancy schmancy food. It's about something you like. I, you yeah. know, learn more about you that way. Good. I'm kind of like you too. A toasted tomato sandwich is some of the most delicious. Oh, These yeah. tomatoes up here? Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's some of my favorite food. You've talked just with your answer to that about eating in season and so every you know our listeners know because of my wellness background and that is I always like because I believe wine promotes wellness in many ways it's this it's connecting people but also I think what you do in terms of eating in season and bringing kind of that farm to table concept is really so can I add a word to that? Yes, which is do. Which also fits with, I think, your mission in life too, and that's to eat ethically. Yes. Ethics in food has a, it's, it's a big subject. Yes. But what I'm talking about are things that are grown ethically, that mm -hmm. uh, don't use pesticides and herbicides and all of that stuff, mm -hmm. that are packaged in a way so that we're not adding to the landfill or minimizing yes. that adding to the landfill so to seek point. out meats and fishes and all of mm -hmm. that kind of stuff that are grown or caught, harvested uh, in a sustainable way. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something to always have in the back of your mind too. It used to be, you know, up until recently, and you probably get that too, I would imagine, mm -hmm. Uh, that people think, oh, you're some kind of hippy-dippy, blah-blah, tree-hugging kind of stuff. Well, we all should be at this point. I mean, that's the only thing we were asked to do is take care of the garden. Yeah, yeah. Well, and to make sure that, uh, you know, that, that whole idea of sustainability. Is yeah, the garden is earth. That these things will be here for our kids and for yes. our grandkids and all yes. that. Yes, I'm so glad you brought up that point. That's such an important point. Well, Meredith, we knocked the cover off the ball today with oh John and All I know is right now I want to go get some cheeses, right. some fresh yeah. bread. <laughs> well, I think everybody listening to this, listening to the podcast can do it. John, thank you oh gosh, so much. I feel like we could sit here all day and take the rest of your afternoon because there's so much. I feel like we just scratched the surface, but this is, I think you've given our listeners and us some great mm -hmm. ideas to yeah. walk away with and go just have some fun. I love the idea of get a few different things and just start playing. Yeah, yeah. And, and information about yeah. ingredients and how to cook them. I mean, the internet it makes it makes writing and selling books a little more difficult. But, <laughs> yeah. but there's so much out there. But I'm, there's a caution about that. Though. Be careful about what you just take literally off the yes. network, unless you know 
the, the source. That's you know, there's some great sources that you don't have to worry about, but there's just so much junk out there that uh, yeah, make sure that you know point. what it's about. Yeah. And I'd say your website's johnash.com? Chef. Chef. Chefjohnash.com. You should check it out. It'll give you information, talk yeah. about the books you've written, talk about your radio show, all the other things. And then if you're up in Santa Rosa, definitely dine yeah. at this restaurant. Yeah. Um, but again, thank you so much for your time. And for all our listeners, please like us, subscribe to our podcast app, wherever you listen to it. But thanks for joining us again for another episode. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Major Crush. You're going to want to check out our show notes for this podcast as we've curated a list of the cheese companies Chef John Ash mentioned in his interview. We've also included links to John Ash's website so you can stay connected to him and gain access to his collection of cookbooks and other food and wine related content. Hey, by the way, we've also got a special What the Blank bonus episode to share with you this week. In this bonus podcast, Meredith and Lou sit down with Josh Martin and Lars Williamson of Blank Wines to talk about and experience a few things Chef John Ash taught us in this interview. So you won't want to miss it. Next week, Meredith and Lou begin their second road trip of the season as they make their way down to Santa Barbara County. But first, they make a pit stop in Monterey County where they spend an afternoon with Jack Galante of Galante Vineyards. You may recognize his name from our interview with Raymond Smith from Indigene in episode 5. So I know you won't want to miss this episode. Until next time. Mm-hmm.